hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, pen the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Commentaries. You've done oh, more than one. Uh, you should, I, I think it should be plural, Joe. Should I say that from the rest? Oh, I can't go back and edit them all, <laughs> can I? Oh, plus, yeah. I'll be editing other people doing it, and it would just be like... That's true. Okay, could just be my thing. I'm just your yeah, most yeah. pedantic guest ever. Well, we all Which is that. ironic, considering... You were the one that came on to defend all from 55. Sorry, celebrate, I apologise. Celebrate, there's no need to defend perfection. I've explained it. I mean, your stance on that story has not changed at all since we spoke no, about that. No, no. Still, I've, been still on a couple of other pod- <laughs> I've been invited on a couple of other podcasts to talk about it. Oh, which uh, ones? Uh, well, well, Who Trial, but then he got halfway through it, switched it off and said he never wanted to do podcasts anymore and deleted his entire podcast because he hated it so much. You brought an entire but, podcast to its knees with I, your love of uh, 55. Yep. And, uh, uh, and um, it's now become a tradition as well that I watch it every New Year's Eve and try to line it up so that, well, say every New Year's Eve, every New Year's Eve when there's a pandemic, to try and line it up so that um, the um, that doesn't sound like my Benny comes at the strokes of midnight. I think I saw a tweet, you know. You may have done. <laughs> Just the one, tweet or two. <laughs> a tweet or two. Did I take, right, I've got a friend who lives in Stratford. Um, we meet up and we do tennis and stuff. Um, uh, uh, and she um, got us tickets. She's like, oh, there's, there's this play on at the RSC. I know you like Shakespeare. This isn't Shakespeare, Pete. But it's, it's their Christmassy play. You might like it. It's about this boy in a magical world and blah, blah, blah. Searching for his long lost sister. And anyway, we go in. And, and, there's, a, and there's the character in the play which is called the elephant of something because there's also this elephant in a zoo that they all want to rescue uh, it's a giant puppet operated by lots of people but there's a narrator and the narrator is a perky cheerful lady with a bit of a brummy accent and she comes on stage and goes welcome and i'm like oh my god it's fucking hyphen and it was hyphen from orphan 55 what, the actress? yes on stage at the royal shakespeare theater oh, wow. <laughs> And uh, I, was, I was like, trying to, my friend is not a Doctor Who fan. And so she, I was like, she's in my favourite episode of Doctor Who. And she went, is it a good one? I was like, no. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> my favorite. Did you get her so, autograph afterwards? I, I wanted to, but um, <laughs> no, I, I was. <laughs> Why doesn't any, any Amy, what's her name? Amy, Amy Wilkes Booth, that's her name. And that is, that, that is her thing. She does larger than live characters as part of an ensemble cast can i ask if she had an enormous fluffy towel in her royal shakespeare not visibly not visibly so obviously (laughs) they tucked it away yeah her costume had 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 a little bit more money spent on it and talking of expensive costumes we're watching well done well done (laughs) of blood episode three remember that joe this has just become a conversation between the two of us and you're not out oh we've had many conversations like that okay so should we skip into episode three of the stones of blood Mm, let's do it however before we do that i'm going to i've never done this to you before i've done it to a lot of other people but i've never done this to you they always say that <laughs> there's nothing original anymore um <laughs> could you please inform us and the viewers of what has occurred in the stones of blood to date 
it's the third part of the key to time. The Doctor and Romana are haven't actually mentioned it much lately. Oh no, they did. They mentioned it a bit earlier because the key to time is the thing that can make someone change their shape or can change the shape of. No, we don't know that yet. It's something that can change the shape of things. That's what we know. Mm. And we've met two mysterious and fascinating ladies, and that's who live in a cottage in Cornwall. And um, we've also discovered that possibly the big manor house nearby has possibly been owned by the same lady for hundreds of years. But how could that be possible? Doesn't make sense. It's certainly not science. And Doctor Who's science fiction. So it's obviously going to be a, a, a completely rational and scientific explanation. But the main thing we know is this is a spooky one. This is a creeping about in trees and priories and all of that stuff one. So none of your science fiction nonsense in this story. I love the fact that you did that sentence and then added one at the end. <laughs> um, the reason I do that is because everybody um, pulls together a Doctor Who synopsis in a very unique way. Oh, I'd imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's very interesting. Um, one person, the guy, Mark Dodick, who did Case Manager Tiny, man, it was fascinating, mm. honestly. That was brilliant, yeah. Um, all right, well, I'm ready if you are. I am. This has some of the coziest scenes in all of Doctor Who, you know, those beautiful scenes between the Doctor and Amelia Rumford in the That's sitting room. Right. yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's go and have a sausage sandwich with them then. <laughs> in. Oh, you got counting in. Go no, yeah, I have. Yeah, excuse me. It's my turn. It's an, an odd numbered episode. Oh, no, it's not. Actually. Oh, I don't know. No, no it's you. I intro. Okay. You go. Five, four, three, two, one, go. This is what our marriage is like, folks, honestly. <laughs> Disorganized. Okay, off we go down the bizarrely organic and biological looking time tunnel it would still what what do you think i think it looks like you're going down someone's like organs and stuff <laughs> at the beginning no all right maybe it doesn't it does it looks like a carrier bag covered in, in engine grease because in the same way i could see darth vader in the john pertwee <laughs> tell me i was mad for that as well but, uh, you and your, what's best kept between you and your therapist uh, Good heavens, it's a small model of a henge. <laughs> it, it certainly is. Oh, is I'm so sorry. Did I? I'm so sorry. <laughs> is there something going on? Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... But she basically, the second she glams up as Cesare of Diplos, um, any subtlety or potential subtlety in her performance uh, evaporates. Yeah, and I mean, this is, the, this is glam rock, isn't it? <laughs> And she starts just sort of staring at the screen, going, Oh, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is great because we've not had them named yet, have we? That's new. What the, the ogre, yeah. So far, we have no idea what how these stones are moving. I think, in a minute, right? You know, and I think the Graham Williams era exemplifies this best that kind of perfect marriage between comedy and suspense that yeah, Doctor Who can pull off. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. in a minute when they're running away from the old grid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to get that right. And it can be fine to do, but you can do just horror or do just comedy. But doing both at once is so hard. Here oh, we go. Oh, and it's flashing. Oh. <laughs> Just look at it. Look at Beatrice Lehman. She is frightened of that thing. Well, I love it when be? he says, it's coming up behind us fast. And she goes, it's impossible. When he goes, no, it's not. We're standing still. <laughs> it has been observed that that is a very common line in Chimnal Doctor Who. It's not possible. That's one of his um things. Like Sayward loved um the place is crawling with Daleks because that's yeah. in one of the sixties Dalek stories, I think, and then it's in every eighties one. 
this is just what I want to see in Doctor Who. The Doctor and a mad eccentric running yeah. away from an evil rock. Yeah, <laughs> an eight-foot-tall eight megalith smashing its way into a priory garden. Pete, and do you I know understand what? you correctly? That thing is made of stone? <laughs> <laughs> well, just fiberglass, actually, dear. But... <laughs> oh, my God, this is beautiful. This... And do you and, know what? Uh, this is, you know, this is this is being broadcast in November, uh, but um, UK number one at the moment. Take a guess. Oh, look at uh, the, is it the professor wants to capture it. No, um, but there is also a Eurovision connection, but it's not a Eurovision song. It's a Go tangential on. Eurovision. You're never going to get the right answer out of me. <laughs> it's Summer Nights, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, who have a beat at Eurovision. Summer is number one. Happened so fast. Oh my god, here we go. Oh no, they're back at the stock footage. No, but you know the bit in a minute where it's like Dudley. Yeah. Like he is having so much fun with this. And this was recorded in June. The uh, helpful production notes have just sent me, oh, and now here's Tom doing his bit with his coat, which is <laughs> we've gone past what i think is the one of the funniest moments in the story which is where um she goes we could track it to its lair and he just goes <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> and she says to him please keep a grip on yourself which is uh Here basically what the director was saying to him through most of it well, how did they get this shot of the stone in the water then or is it just a light it's just a, it's a light. Oh, it's just a light underwater. Yeah, so there we go. It for you, <laughs> that whole sequence, though, yeah. Pete, that is a genius. That is it is magnificent. And it's action, comedy. In you, the you, Williams you, era, yeah, that's up there with him going past the um, Inshada when he cycles past the barbershop quartet and he's being chased by the spear. It's that kind <laughs> Just, of yeah, you could only get it in Doctor Who. And I'm trying to think of other examples of really good, there must be lots, and I can't think of any at the moment, of um, scary and funny at the same time. It's easy to flip between, well, it's not easy. It, it's difficult, but sometimes they flip between one and the other. But but these moments where it's exciting and scary and funny at the same time are just magical. I've got one. What are you going to do? Sucker me to death, which is a great line. <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> you know? and then it does. Yeah, yeah. That, that is, that's a really good example. Yeah. Oh, look at Tom Baker's hair backlit like that. He looks manic. Yeah. You've got something I need. Those <laughs> out of that season knows how to do it. She does. She, I, I would have loved to have seen all the black men do this. Yes, me too. But, but, but still, I mean, what else? What else has Susan Angle done? I'm, I'm on IMD being her. Like, she does she... everything. Like uh, Midsummer Murders, you know. Oh, she's a bit. She turns up in everything. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a look. There'll be a minder there. There'll be an Inspector Morris. Oh, and Mike Mungarvan is one of the Druids. Um, he's the guy who's the very hot um, soldier in Resurrection of the Daleks. Who gets Not the one with the, the cigarette Mutant. who gets the Carly Mutant. Mutant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got him to sign a picture of that for me at a convention and write him. Um, I got him to write, asked him to write Dalek hugs for Mike, God. and he did. I met him. I did meet him in a convention. Lovely. Um, I think we both did actually, didn't we, in Utopia? And obviously he's aged now, so I don't want to lick his arsehole as much as I did back in the day. But he's still a very pretty man. He is. He's a handsome, extremely handsome and dapper and charming. Yeah, lovely guy. <gasps> oh my god, is this the bit where yeah, we're about, yeah. oh, are we going back about to go to the tent? No, not yet. Oh not yeah, yet. not yet, but it's coming. Yeah, that's this 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 episode. Yeah. 
I'm really pleased. Susan Engel's been in loads of things. Um, Yellen Pasco, Casualty, Midsummer, as you said. You know when he says Og, Magog and Ogress, is that then actual names? Yeah, that's that's your actual ancient legends. Okay, that's very strange. Is I mean, I mean, genuine, or is that just David Fisher made up? No, that's the real myth, or, or uh, the real folklore. You know, I still um, don't understand about hyperspace. <laughs> well, who does? <laughs> well, we, yeah, the Graham Williams era has about five different definitions of hyperspace just in one era. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if they can do it with Atlantis, all right? Exactly. <laughs> Look at this. I mean, we've not seen anything cobbled together like this since the time flow analog in the Time Monster. I would say this looks better, much better than that. This looks like real equipment, even if it is a slide projector upside down. There's a fabulous sound this effect here when he puts the crystals in. It's like, -lo 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 -lo. <laughs> it's really lovely. Oh, yeah. I haven't paid that enough heed previously. We, do you know what? We don't get enough scenes like this in Classic Who. And it's a bit like the scene in the cafe between uh, McCoy and the cafe owner. Mm. Uh, it's a bit like the scenes between Lightfoot and the Doctor in Tarns of Wing Chai, where you just stop in a nice domestic setting and have a conversation. And I really love it every time it happens. Usually Doctor yeah. Who's furiously running from one danger to another, <clears throat> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. full melodrama. But when it slows down a little bit, oh, I really like it. Yeah, you're dead right. I still don't understand about how space. There we are. Oh, <laughs> I shut do. up, Kane. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so she goes, um, "What is it? Interspatial geometry." Oh, I never studied that. And then she starts, <laughs> she starts scratching it's her great. head with the screwdriver. Yeah, and it's great to have a character. It's such a—I mean—it's a gift in a drama like this to have a character who's extremely intelligent, but only a specialist in one thing. So they can ask extremely intelligent questions about something else that they happen to know nothing about because it's not their field. And that's, that's you know, do you know who could have been this character? Run with that. That's a good one. Hmm? Do you know who could have been this character? So what you yeah. just said there, specialist yeah. in a certain field, so could ask really smart questions mm. and engage in smart Mel. In theory. Yes. In theory, yeah. <laughs> but on paper, if only they'd actually ever let her be a person. That line she has there. Well, they're all the same, these physicists. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> they get all the funding. You love, love a bit of academic resentment for other it's fields the moment where she says to him may i ask you a personal question are you from outer space and the the relationship mm. between them then is so warm it's so lovely yeah i mean he is from outer space he's just being a show-off <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> i've been listening re-listening soon speaking of you mentioned me being a podcast tart which i can't really refute no just uh, a tart, and, actually. and we've Go got on. a podcast start and we've got um on trap one um the the, the wonderful marks uh all, all ranging trap one podcast uh coming up soon we're doing nest cottage the paul mars paul mars oh, series hornet's that nest. brought that brought yeah paul hornet's nest is the first story in a in a, in a set of stories uh and um because it's coming out on vinyl, mega deluxe vinyl with a huge book and everything, like collector's deluxe edition. Uh, and uh, so we're, we're giving that another listen because it's a few years old now, isn't it? 12 years old, mm. it's like 2010, I think. And uh, this is Nest Cottage that Tom Baker is in now. It's only just struck me because I've been re-listening to it's it. It's basically the same setting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You can get the whole set 
quite cheaply on um uh on audible or whatever now do give it a listen it's the first time if you haven't listened to it you know you know what's amazing about that series Hmm. is it shouldn't work at all and yet paul mars writing is so strong tom baker and and richard franklin are brilliant and isn't there like a whole story set in the tardis i think it's like the fourth one sting in the tail yeah and it's um it's not trying to be Doctor Who, an episode, no. a TV episode of Doctor Who that compensates for the fact there's no pictures. It's completely a storytelling, and a lot, so much of it is told in flashbacks, and it's like a, it is like a book. And then you, you get to the next, you get to the end of one scene, and then someone else sort of takes over as like the narrator of the next scene. All mm. very eccentric, and Tom is just loving himself. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Sorry. Hey, do you know what? What? He drew me naked. You know. What? Oh, you told me this before. Yeah, <laughs> I've got no, I've no problem with admitting that. He's got Karen a fabulous, a fabulous me Facebook group where it's kind <laughs> yeah. of like um, uh, celebrating nudity and, yeah. and artistic expressions of it. Oh my god, he made me look amazing. Do you know what? Honestly, if only that was real. Anyway, sorry. Back to the Stones Blood. And it's funny because then shortly after that, this story came out about a stuffed badger that was terrorising people. I wonder where he got the inspiration for the stuffed badger <laughs> from the stuff of my <laughs> Oh, do you know what? Actually, do you know what? This this is a perfectly... Choking on my own pathetic attempt at being bitchy. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. I just read over. Serves me right. I've been doing that my whole life. Um, it's a perfectly paced joke because the whole thing, making the equipment... And then yeah. this whole spiel about, right, make, make sure you do this and run if they come after you, and blah, blah, blah. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And then it blows up and he's like, switch off! <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> yes. And we, yeah, that's right. And so lots of stories try to do this. And this one does it perfectly. And mm. others maybe don't do it quite as well. Yeah, but yeah, you the, need, you the need build to up. Do- all and the music and Dudley Simpson is yeah and the music and it and it's you you forget that this is actually the obvious setup to a gag of it blowing up you know what i think i think anthony reed is a very good script editor for doctor who and i think oh. he know he he knows a certain Overlooked. tone of doctor who yeah yeah and it's it's delicious yeah sandwiched between the hinchcliffe and the um douglas adams and you know, Hinchcliffe Holmes and, and Douglas Adams at the other end of the uh, of, of, of uh, Graham Williams era, he gets overlooked, and it's one. Well, I just so think good. Uh, if the... this was the only season of Doctor Who that existed, which I'm, is stupid, but you can sort of ask yourself that sometimes. If this was the only season of this thing that had ever been made, and you saw one episode of it, you'd want to watch the rest of the season, wouldn't you? It's oh, not just sure. nostalgia. I wouldn't just want to watch this because I already love Doctor Who. Oh, Tom, why are you spinning around? <laughs> <laughs> he can't help it. Excuse me, you know what he'd say to the director? I'm a Tom from the constellation of Casturbrus, and that's how we <laughs> yeah. beam onto places. All right. <laughs> yes. So oh. suddenly we're in a space corridor. Um, and we're extremely, after all that lovely subtle lighting I was talking about earlier, there's not a shadow to be seen anymore. Mm. Or is that a deliberate contrast? I'm sure it is. People are too harsh on Warriors of the Deep's lighting. It's the thing that people always bang on about. No, they're not. And I think a bit, and I think too much. No, they are. They're not harsh enough. (laughs) No, because it's supposed to be bright. And, um, oh, oh, sorry. We've just had our first glimpse of Cesare of Diplos when her eyes. Oh, my God. What is that chained up to the wall next to Ramon? It looks like a full-size version of the robot from Fireball XL5, which it definitely (laughs) is. Hasn't it got lips as well? And it's the leftover. It's that wall from the mutants that's been seen everywhere. There's a random Wirren, isn't there, somewhere? 
That's right. Oh, that so yeah, so the Doctor is now on the ship and is exploring, looking in hyperspace, although he doesn't know it yet. No, that was that skeleton. That was the withered skeleton of Balau from Death to the Daleks. <laughs> this is where he ended up. No! <laughs> yeah, sorry. That way leads to death. <laughs> yeah, look, he's got limbs. That robot yeah, has got limbs. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why you can't, you know, have circuitry for veins and fabulous lips. Oh, so so here we are. So hyperspace is a theoretical absurdity. Absurdity. What a, oh, that's a lovely way of pronouncing it. Um, hey, did you notice? What? What? Remember I told you that the the triangular wall in Adric's room, you know, all those triangles? Mm. That was in mm. that cell. Yeah, well, it's from the mutants. That's when it first appeared, however. That's what and, I, I um, told you that. It's, don't you try and tell me that. I told you <laughs> no, that. No, no, it's, it's a fact. One of my amazing who facts. Oh, look at this. BBC Micro. Fabulous. It is better than the Pandorica. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Do you know? I do like the the swirling and, and I, and, out the sorry, I didn't finish my I didn't finish my comment, and I must finish it because I started out by saying something that isn't what I really think for comic effect. That that we we get these two completely different definitions of hyper, like in this episode they're completely mystified to discover that hyperspace could even possibly exist and um you know a couple of years later everyone's just whizzing around in hyperspace in nightmare of eden um and but it's brilliant the doctor who can just do that it, because it's an anthology and people are just passing the baton yeah sorry that was me just finishing my ramble because as you say the hyper the the, the blobs outside the window look great i think that Spa looks really, this really shot nice. of this spaceship it nah, does look, it looks like a it looks small you know what actually they weirdly enough in season 15 they it's shoot so the miniature really really well <laughs> don't you think yeah but in this, this that is just so obviously two microphones glued to the back of a dust buster oh, it is a microphone isn't it <laughs> And do you remember in Power of Crawl when they're trying to shoot that refinery and that looks like a miniature? They just lost it this season of getting the miniatures right. Somewhere. And I mean, ultimately, and, and you know, you know what it's like in any workplace, it's about budget. How, give me a thousand quid and I'll give you the best spaceship you've ever seen in Doctor Who. Here's 50 quid. Do your best. It's just how it worked, isn't it? And, but then every now and then they would get a good budget. But yeah. Are we nearly near that tent scene yet? <laughs> Are you feeling wanna... intense? No, I just want to see that man's lovely chest. He's really handsome. It's not often you get to see some male totty in Doctor Who like that, you know. What? No. No. Apart from Mike Yates, obviously. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, th no, this is it. Because then she says to K9 now, that means they're going to find some oh, blood. yeah. And yeah, this was, so this scene was added late in the scripting process when they, they worried that they just hadn't actually made them hurt they haven't harmed anyone all, all they've done so far is damaged furniture at the devries's house oh no they killed him too but even that was off screen that means they're going to kill somebody oh wow and this scene is so beautifully executed i think it? yeah it, any horror film would be um um is this woman the woman from dragonfire who says that's right i've been looking all over for you that woman <laughs> And this must be the only time you see a man doing up his trousers in Doctor Who. Actually, no, I'm saying that. Maybe not. Maybe. Ooh, that stone's got, like, a scary face. I think the inference is he's just put his trousers on because he was sleeping in his boxers rather than they were having sex, don't you think? Well, why would he put his trousers on? Oh, I'm just going outside the tent. I'm going to put my trousers on. He's got a lovely back, hasn't he? Yes. 
certainly <laughs> <has>. <laughs> he certainly I, feel, I feel like we're doing a commentary on porn now. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a woman as well. And apparently lots of people think she's sexy as hell too. <laughs> really? But no, hang on, hang on. It's that cliche in horror movies though, isn't it? Is if you have sex, you're mocked. You, you die. Yeah, yeah. It's the punishment is... It's, Are uh, they leaning into like, this? Yes, yes. Okay. And uh, it's the idea that... Um, Ah, uh, because we're all we all grow up with an innate sense of shame. Or oh, not this innate, is great! Isn't? I think this is the one time as well where the heartbeat is really <clears throat> scary. Yeah, she's so good. It's not actually her hand, you know. It's somebody else doing the special effect shot. But the and then and the way it fades out into like the blood red, a fade well. to red. Yeah, I don't yeah. get that. A lot. That's doing. really effective. And you know, like when they do in Doctor Who magazine things like this, like you know the 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 best fifty scenes, this that mm. always shows up. That scene, it, yeah, it, yeah, it just gets you, doesn't it? It just oh, there we go. There's Warren, poor old Warren. But they wanted to. He Daryl Blake says he wanted to populate this with all different Doctor Who monsters, but uh, yeah. Was oh, I guess you get into complicated rights issues. They'd have to pay yeah. whoever invented them. Imagine if there was like a battered Dalek or something like that. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that Megara so much. They're coming out in a minute. Mm. And um, Dudley Simpson, no one does a fanfare like him. He's like, -na 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 -na. <laughs> yeah. And so the music hasn't, going back to what I was saying in part one, the music hasn't completely changed, has it? It's, um, I mean, it's slightly different themes, but. So you love the way they have to kneel down oh, for the okay. special effect. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. Now, right. I'll admit, first time I saw this, when these came out, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> that's naff. What do you think? Yeah. I think they're really fun. Well, I've warmed to this. But this is my point, though. My point is I've warmed to them and like because um, they are funny. Okay, I've got a feeling that that's the sort of effect they were going for with the Vardans in Invasion of Time rather than, you know, rattling tin foil. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it, for Doctor Who? When you know that you've got a reputation for looking cheap, do you do something that looks cheap anyway and say to people, well, you're going to think that anyway, so we're just going to rock with it? Yeah. I just like it when they talk and there's a, that, that one light that gets bigger. Yeah. And the, the vocal performances are really fun as well. Judge, jury, executioner, you know, it's, it's really <laughs> fun. James Murray, by the way. Son of the oh, he was the the camping guy. Son of the um, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so so right, okay. Two facts for him, if it's the right one on IMDb. Uh, one says he's the DJ, the son of the DJ Pete Murray, who was big in the early sixties, um, and had died in the late nineteen seventies from a well documented drug problem. Oh. That's just that's completely unsourced and just what it says on IMDb. Treat that oh. with all skepticism, but that's a shame. That's well, a shame. I was having quite a lot of fun with this, you know, until you brought that up. Oh, sorry, I'm bringing it down with the treasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's Amelia Rumford to cheer me up. Again. Anyway, back to Amelia Rumford. Yeah, <clears throat> can't be because <laughs> I think Felix so, Naylor died, didn't she? Not long after, not too well, long uh, after a this. year and a half or so. Yeah, so she's not like on. She's not. On, on the verge or anything but that's because this is what john leeson tells a lovely story about her him telling her when they were filming he, he told her that he was very interested in photography and uh and the next day or whatever she turned up and just presented him with this collector's item antique camera that she owned from the 20s or 30s that was worth an absolute fortune and she said well i've not got time to use it anymore but um so just have it and i think he's really still got it now he's he's still got it. yeah 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 
Actually, I've changed my mind. I want you to cosplay as Sarah Diplos, all right? <laughs> I mean, you look incredible in silver paint. It could be to Sarah Diplo and do mid noughties dance remixes. That's a very <laughs> obscure joke. Don't get it at all. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, and, and Amelia, and, and she, the professor is so shocked. Straight to camera dialogue is actually yeah. a lot rarer than you might think. I know it Rack is. does I, it in I, Enlightenment, and obviously Morgus does it in Case of Androzani. Yeah, and Tom does it now and then. Oh, well, Kane anyway, does it, doesn't he, in Dragonfire, it. end of episode two? Yeah, although, well, sometimes it's hard because they are they're just sort of staring into space and there happens to be a camera there as opposed to addressing a person directly. But that's what they enjoyed, skirting that line, don't they? Look at this. Stand very close to me, Romana. A perfect groping position. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> she had him wrapped around her finger. She knew exactly how to... Um... Do you know, the, the um, I was say, like, don't you take the piss really out of me. Good. Don't you take I the piss out of me. But those, those ogres look far less menacing when they're in these overlit studios. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course they do. Yeah, no, yeah, yes, you're dead right. And, but and sort of, um, and just so incongruous. It's evil megaliths on a spaceship. Um, and it also takes when when Daryl Blake talks about the fact that they were on like casters as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not the greatest episode ending, is it? It's just stopped. And it is a basically a lot of exposition in that episode as well. There's a lot yeah. of talk. It's still my favourite of the story, though, because it's got all those wonderful Amelia Rumford scenes. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Pete, I'm going to head back to Twitter again to oh, see if we've got oh, any more exciting... Oh, okay. Is Susan Engel brilliant or what? She is brilliant, you know? That's my opinion of this. <laughs> I don't think anyone would deny it. And there's an amazing... There's an audiobook available. You know, uh, so Terrence Dix novelised it uh in the late 70s i think yeah because it's still a, it's got the old logo on it still um but and it was one of his fairly rapid fire ones uh that he was doing at the time uh but then david fisher himself uh sorry my brain froze there david fisher um nov did a new novelization of it in about 2010 audio only <laughs> and susan engel reads it and you can get it on audible it's susan engel performing the entirety of stones of blood she plays every character except canine which is john john leeson uh, does uh, does canine um why, why did that happen why was there a new novelization yeah, just BB, I think BBC Books or someone had, there was just some, some it occurred to someone that targets, the target licenses had expired and doing these things wasn't actually, um, there was no reason not to. So they just asked the BBC and an agreement was set up and they decided to, there's nothing in the, there's nothing in targets license to say that no one else will ever be allowed to novelize these once you've done them, I suppose. So that, that let them do it. And there's a few came out, uh, and, uh, that was where Eric Saywood's novelization of Resurrection of the Daleks first took root because I saw him at a thing. He did a thing at Fab Cafe in Manchester. They often have an afternoon with whoever's. And it was one of the first Doctor Who things I ever I went to, like as a in, in, in recent times, like after a long period of not, not doing Doctor Who stuff. And I went there about five, six years ago. Uh, and it was the first thing he'd done for ages. And it was inter really interesting hearing him. And he was so nervous. And his, his sense of humour is very, he is very bitchy, man. <laughs> and, but also about himself. I mean, he says, that he, in his opinion, 
Resurrection of the Daleks is the worst script, Doctor mm-hmm. Who script that was ever filmed. Um, oh, and, too far from the truth, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, and people have said similar things of his of his novel of it, salvaged uh, by some pretty stylish direction. Resurrection, yes, yes. Revelation, I think, is great, but but um, but because because he, he got completely, he just lost his way, and he tried to write, cram a six parter into a four part story and the whole stuff about the High Council and thing. But anyway, um, but this one of the things that at this event was an exclusive reading by an actor of the first chapter of the novelization of Resurrection of the Daleks that Eric Sayward had started writing in about 2010 for this range that included the um, the David Fisher version of um, of this, Stones of Blood. Uh, and my God, it wasn't good. It was really, really like there were the same words just got repeated over and over again in like one sentence to the next sentence. Wow. Um, like there was, there's a scene in Shad Thames, the bit where the, um, where the, the rebels get gunned down at the start as they ran down the street of Shad Thames the guns echoed out and gunfire rattled around Shad Thames and the fake policemen followed them down Shad Thames and it just kept saying it over and over again and then they I cut so the nearly got those you know I'm glad I didn't now well this oh no this is the version that was read out this isn't the version that actually he then completely the version that got published about three or four years ago was completely new and isn't uh, the version that he started you, I've heard that's pretty badly written as well well yeah it, I'm, I'm just saying it, it could have been worse guys <laughs> <laughs> the one that the, but but then it cut to a scene the first scene in the TARDIS is the doctor talking to Turlow about and Turlow's talking about how much he hated being at an English school and the doctor reminisces to Turlow about how much he hated his first day at school on Gallifrey and that his mum sent him to school with a packed lunch that he didn't like and it's like, you can't just drop that into a Doctor Who book. You can't just have the Doctor having a packed lunch on his first day at school. But he was going to. But you then know, he didn't. There was some anyway. great skill with those Target books. I That's picked up the Time Lash novelisation at my last convention. And on the first page, it says yeah. that Perry made Perry had a pregnant pause. And I thought, no, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Pete, I do have a very quick question from my friend and yours, Fraser Gregory. And uh, it's a typically smart question from Fraser. So I'm intrigued to hear your answer. Mm -hmm. It's a game of two halves, this. As a Neil-esque folk horror story meets a very Douglas Adams-ish space station run around. So how much does the second half with the bureaucratic computers miss the guiding hand of the man himself? Oh, I see. Oh, that's a very good point. What if Douglas Adams had actually written that bit? Would it be it would be funnier wouldn't it yeah yeah i can't argue with that well i don't know actually he's not he's not claiming it is he he's, in, he's inquiring mm. but um yeah it, it's still this is the thing i think the, the spaceship bit for me is quite funny but not like side-splittingly funny um but that's okay i'll, I'll take quite funny and i am already oh inc- yeah the cast the, yeah, well, tom um, baker's tom, charisma yeah it, it yeah, elevates yeah, yeah. those lines <laughs> Absolutely. And like this story has already it's already on the bank. By the end of episode two, I love this story. Nothing. You know, the fact that, that so it, it can just happily coast and, and, and be, be quite funny for half an hour or whatever. It's sort of there's a the middle section like the like the last half of part three and the first half of part four is what I'm sort of talking about. But then it's a four part story. That's that's normal. It's it's yeah. Well, no, I think no, as well, though, taking it's, that, it's brilliant. That, that's what I reckon. That right, detour to hyperspace means that we've kind of got Doctor Who in a mac- uh, microcosm here. You've got the horror, yeah. you've got the, the urban setting, and you've got the futuristic stuff as well. Yeah, I wonder if that was deliberate with it being the um, 
15th anniversary and the whatever it was 100th story 50th story but it was it was you know yeah maybe they're saying well we're not to... going back and also because they don't go back here do they you don't get spooky priory doctor who again until what do you ever i don't think you, in the classic um... series like not the beginning of the visitation. No. But no, well, yeah, but it's not spooky, is it? No. Really? No. No, Doctor Who stops being spooky and well, um State of Decay, but that's different. It's space vampires. It's not it's not the same. Um I think Curse yeah, of Fenric is like, the next really scary yeah, horror. Yeah. But that's the thing, they're like, we have we have mined this mine now. Yeah. We're going we're going off to do stuff in space instead. Fair enough. Well, yeah. to misquote Tom Baker, um there's, there, there's one person I have yet to invite to episode four of this commentary podcast. <laughs> you. <laughs> Boom. 